In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the everybody i'm chad bokelman i'm mark marble and this is the lantern cast episode 224 we're back chad's <laughs> back <laughs> yeah chad, i'm back okay <laughs> we're I, back I, together but chad chad's chad's back me, from the brink we're mark and i were on a break guys <laughs> this is <laughs> we're, we're working things out <laughs> oh god now okay so um some of you follow us on facebook and twitter uh, uh some of you are friends with me directly on facebook uh but regardless i want to go ahead and get this out there now this is going to be hopefully a little bit shorter of an episode than usual just because we're only covering three issues rather than the usual four or five so uh i don't intend to make it any longer but i figure i owe you guys an explanation uh so what had happened was on the let's see this was when was it it was the 23rd of june on the 23rd of june it was my day off uh and i was in the living room moving a couple actually that was a day mark and i actually had planned to record an episode actually as a matter of fact uh, the episode that you'll hear after the one we're recording right now. <clears throat> but uh, I was in the living room, and as, as stupid as it sounds, guys, I was literally just bending down to move a small stack of DVDs from one spot to another because at the end of July I'm moving out of my current place, and it's whatever. Um, <clears throat> and I guess I had bent and twisted wrong, and my back went out. Well, at the time, I didn't know that. I just told Mark that, you know, my back hurts and uh, I'll keep you updated. Uh, basically, I had thought that, you know how, like, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night, you got a really bad cramp in your calf and it feels like your leg's on fire. But, you know, after a few minutes, it goes away. I thought that was happening in my back. So I went into the bedroom to lay down. And a couple hours later, I got up to go to the bathroom and as I'm, you know, bending down to go to the bathroom, it feels like somebody had taken a running start with a sledgehammer and hit me in the small of the back. And I hit the ground. I mean, I when, when someone says, you know, they, they collapsed, I literally collapsed to the floor. Um, and because I live in student housing and we all have our own bathroom, uh, my bedroom is fairly small. So my, my toilet is probably all of you know, six or eight feet from the bed, but it took me about an hour to get from the floor next to the toilet back to the, my bed. Uh, and that's how much pain I was in. 
and a couple of days later, I finally, uh, <laughs> through gritted teeth and tear-stained eye, uh, made it into the chiropractor, and he took a uh, you know a, a, an X-ray of my back. And honestly, guys, if if you uh, I'm, <laughs> if if I was standing in front of you, my torso would be straight up and down, and then my body would be at an S angle with my <laughs> my hips down standing at a completely different side of me. Uh, that's how screwed up my back was. Uh, for those of you out there who know what an L5 is in the spine, my L5 was out or herniated or whatever the term is. Um, it took me a full week, uh, to get better. Uh, you know, I've had several adjustments. Uh, he, at that one point, uh, he was telling it, directing me to take four Motrin every six hours, which is, uh, the first time anyone's ever told me to take anything other than the uh, what the directions say on the back of an aspirin type bottle, uh, so to reduce inflammation. Uh, but honestly, even though I was home, I was literally laid in bed for all all day and all night, uh, sleeping on my back, pillows under my legs, uh, several chiropractic adjustments. I didn't get back to work until the following Monday, and even then, I was wearing a back brace. Uh, I'm okay now. Um, but, uh, you know, every now and then, you know, if I'm in the shower and I, you know, lift the leg to wash one or, you know, bend at the wrong angle, I feel like kind of a sharp tinge in my back. Uh, but to be honest, uh, in the future, there might be some upcoming changes with me. My schedule might be a little uh, off. And the reason that is, is for two reasons. And I just wanted to get this out there right now. I mentioned I'm moving at the end of the month of July. Um, I had plans to go somewhere uh, directly after moving out of this place and into a new one, but those fell through. So, uh, as I might have mentioned before, I don't even freaking remember. <laughs> but uh, I'm basically, I have three weeks between moving out of this place and moving into my new one. So Mark and I are going to record a bunch of episodes ahead of time to try and cover that gap, because I don't know if I'll, first of all, have internet access, let alone a quiet place to record. Uh, so that's another, that's part of my reason my schedule might be off. And another part of the reason is guys, I was laid up, I'm 28 years old and I was laid up in bed for a week because I moved wrong. Uh, and I have never experienced that much pain in my entire life. And to be honest with you, that was probably the biggest wake up call I could have. Um, and uh, it, it became very evident to me while I was laying in bed from moving wrong that I need to lose weight. Uh, so I'm going to be doing a lot of changes. Uh, and as soon as my chiropractor gives me the go ahead, I actually asked him on my third adjustment, you know, what stretches and exercises I could do to, you know, help uh, me lose weight, but also not aggravate my back to get in that position again. Uh, and he actually told me that no matter how good I feel right now, uh, I am not stable. So he says the most exercise he wants me doing right now until he gives me the go ahead is, you know, just kind of walking, you know, uh, as opposed to doing any heavy lifting or anything like that. So, um, or, or extreme uh, cardio or anything like that. So until he gives me the go ahead, I'm stuck with just the, you know, the dieting and making sure I'm drinking. I'm actually drinking obscene amounts of water. Uh, and I have no idea why it's not something I'm doing specifically for the diet. My body is just severely dehydrated for some strange reason. Uh, but anyways, um, lots of changes coming up for me personally, uh, both with the move and with that, uh, with that, uh, life realization. But man, I just, I couldn't believe it that, 
you know, 28 years old and I am bedridden for a week because I moved wrong. Uh, and that, uh, that was, that was a pretty big wake up call. So I got a lot of changes to make and uh, I could, I guess we, we could have recorded while I was in bed, but honestly, you know, the pain was flaring up every now and then, and I couldn't guarantee anything. Uh, luckily Mark and, and Jim were able to record one of their episodes. So thanks guys for that. And, and thanks to you, uh, Mark for, you know, <laughs> being okay with postponing some things. Uh, not, a, but, not a problem, Chad. Yeah. Uh, and thanks for the listeners who saw those posts on Facebook and Twitter and, and just said, don't worry about it. You know, we're good. Uh, it couldn't have come up with a worse time in terms of recording because of the celebration of the 75th anniversary. But, you know, these things happen. Uh, and uh, hope, But hopefully they won't happen again. Um, but we're back. Uh, we're going to do some uh, some heavy recording in the next couple of weeks. And... Hopefully, uh, as I move and get things situated, uh, there shouldn't be a big uh, interruption in, in y'all's receiving those episodes. I actually have our, our uh, uh, file transfer client uh, on my computer at work, so I can edit from my laptop and you know just put those things on a flash drive and just upload them at work. So uh, in terms of posting, there shouldn't be an issue, but um, you, you never know. But anyways, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. Uh, lots of changes coming on my end, Mark. Uh, how have you been <laughs> for those <laughs> for those who've been missing us? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, for the most part, I I'm don't have that much to complain about at least currently. Uh, we'll see if that's the case in a few weeks. But right now, <laughs> I see everything <laughs> seems to be okay. You posted a review though online. Of, oh like, yes, Genesis, yes, right? yeah, Terminator Genesis, which was. It didn't quite work. The, like if anybody who's watched that review or and or listened mostly listened to the review. Ideally, I wanted to play the trailer in the background while I was recording, basically like comment on my review over it. But unfortunately, based on the platform that I use for doing webcasts through my job, that unfortunately, no matter what, I might mute or I may lower the volume to nothing on the video while I'm talking over it. But of course, once it come, once the recording's made, the that's not how it comes across. So, which is a benefit if you, for real webcasts if people want to watch it after the fact because that gives them control of the internal video. So if they could raise the volume and make it full screen and things like that. But so I, yeah, I, it wasn't. Be- I mean, I'm gonna, I'm trying to find out if there's a way to actually mute you know without having to alter the, the original source video. If there's a way to just mute st- of a running a video that I put in there as an as a pod because then it would be pretty handy to do and. And theoretically, you and I could actually even still use that platform I use for work to go in and, and do things like that. So, but yeah, it was it was good. I, I actually, you know, not I did like Genesis. I was actually it's pretty spoiler free actually. In case people want, there are things I'd like to talk about at some point maybe that relates to spoilers because there are some interviews that have come out afterwards, kind of explaining some of the aspects of the different version of Skynet we see in this movie and what it actually means, which is interesting from a DC universe point of view. It's kind of like not doesn't tie into DC, but a multiverse kind of concept basically is introduced. But yeah, I thought, so it was, it was something new. I wanted to give it a shot. I, it was, it's weird that Terminator was the first movie this year that I really felt compelled to want to do something pretty fast. On. Um, I know we did a whole Ultron thing, so there was no point writing anything for Ultron. And I thought about Lost World, you know, I mean, uh, I mean uh, Jurassic World, but I don't know. So yeah, it was pretty. It's pretty cool. Hopefully, people liked it at least for what it was, and then because it's still a viable concept to do a. I think even if as an, mostly an audio review, I think it's still probably better than for the most part than making somebody read something all the time. So. Right. 
Well, uh, I mean, we're we're back. Uh, so what we're gonna do is this uh, this episode is we're going to uh, review a couple of comics, and we're kind of just because of um, things being mentioned in certain comics that happened in other comics, we're gonna do this a little out of order. So this is gonna be June books. Uh, so the, we're talking Sinestro number twelve, uh, Green Lantern forty one, and Lost Army number one, uh, and. Plus, they came out with some previews for two of those books, and it's a whole thing. So it's a little out of whack and kind of out of order. But we're going to get through it as best we can, and at the end we'll have a little bit of uh, sort of unique listener feedback, and we'll let you know when we, when we cross that bridge when we get to it. Sounds good. All right, so first up, we're going to actually start with Sinestro number 12. So, Mark, you want to take that? I will begin with Sinestro, so kind of like recapping where we were before <laughs> before the big break with Convergence in, in the regular titles, and that, and it's, in a way, it's the most unfortunate break for Sinestro, because it was literally in the middle of a story. <laughs> between the last <laughs> issue of, between Sinestro 11 and the annual number one that came out on April Fool's Day, I believe, that that was the last we've, that, when last we saw Sinestro, that's how, how many months ago it's been, and pretty much in those, in those two storylines, Especially in the annual, uh, besides the little flashback or origins of the Green Lantern of the Sinestro Corps members, it all it all is revolving around the fact that they they basically they have just discovered that the reactor that is at the core of New Corridor is basically set to blow up. It's uh, to melt down and cause a chain reaction to blow up the planet, and that's where we were. That's where we left off. So that's where this issue pretty much picks up. Um, as Sornik and Sinestro pretty much are talking about, you know, basically what their options are, at least Sornik is trying to do that. You know, she's trying to convince Sinestro that, you know, you you know what you have to do. You pretty much have to move the Korrigorians off this planet just in case you can't stop it from melting down. And, of course, uh, you know, Sinestro is this typical cocky self. It's like, you know, you know the new Korrigor might self-destruct, might, if I don't stop it. But we both know I will. <laughs> And all this stuff, and you know, and uh, Sorenik just accuses him of being, you know, egotistical. And are you are you willing to, you know, risk, the, you know, roll the dice and risk the life of your people on this? And he goes, uh, you know, if, you know, if I considered it a gamble or I considered it a risk, then I could, might think things differently. But of course, you know, I, I don't view it that way. It's like things, you know, I'm gonna do it. What kind of leader would I be, or how much faith would they have in me if I'm going to move them to another planet, or even move them off-world temporarily while I try to solve this problem? Because it would mean that I would have led them to an unsafe world to begin with. Um, so Sorenik really is not really buying into this, and Sinestro just kind of points out, you don't have to agree with my choices, but you have to support them, and of course, foreshadowing through, for the end of this book, Sorenik points out that you know I'm not one, I'm not one of your lanterns, so you know. You can't tell me what to do. Uh, Lissa and Sinestro have a little meeting, which again foreshadows what we're going to be seeing partially, at least somewhat in, in the next two books that we're going to be reviewing tonight, about that, uh, how the Sinestro Corps and Sinestro in particular is about to have their moment of ascension, and that you know the, the Green Lanterns are about to basically be removed from the, from the equation. And, you know, at this point, the, while that's going on, there's still, Sinestro still having some, you know, the scientists of his Sinestro Corps are basically trying to work on a way to try to, to save New Corrigor and prevent it from, from being destroyed. And, of course, 
Lissa kind of hints at something where we don't know what what it means yet, but saying, you know, what if they can't find a solution? And then Sinestro goes, you know, you 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 should know based on your powers and just by knowing me well enough to know, you know, what you know what my basically my secondary plan is or what I will do if you know if we if the scientists don't come up with a reasonable way of stopping the you know the explosion. Um, we have another reference to what's going on with the Green Lanterns. It's uh, because Sornik in you know, just I mean, excuse me, Alyssa just asked Sinestro out outright. You know, does she know about the, again that not too subtle foreshadowing here about the rapture that is coming for the Green Ring wielders? And Sinestro goes no, and goes which is probably a good thing because if she did, she would you know she would go run off to you know run off and to join them, which is a noble sentiment. But she can't. But I Sinestro can't allow her to do that. Although we see Sorinik now talking to the back. With the new Korrigorians, or the Korrigorians on New Korrigor, talking to their, to the leader, uh, um, Umaral, and Umaral kind of like, kind of in a way, she puts in pr- proper perspective for Sornik because Sornik hints or says that you know, you know, Sinestro is just kind of like he's acting different. You know, he seems to be going back to his old ways, and that's when Umaral kind of points out that, you know, the only. <laughs> That's kind of where he's tricked you because he's never really changed. He's always been the same way. It's just the fact that you want you kind of wanted to believe he was different, and to a certain extent, you know, Sinestro with you because of your relationship with him, he bothered to, to try to basically make you think that he was different. But at the end of the day, you know, Sinestro is what Sinestro is. Um, we have Sinestro kind of like mulling over, you know, his Sinestro core members and about how you know there are many who doubt his leadership. And he himself, in a way, kind of is questioning uh, the direction. Talks about how, you know, the different times he's changed, uh, shifted gears about what the Sinestro Corps was supposed to be. How originally it was supposed to bring order to the universe. Then it was, you know, then the new Korg, to basically, to rescue the Korrigorians became their, their agenda. And now, you know, once again, they're kind of at a crossroads because a void's going to be created with, you know, with these what's going on with the Green Lanterns, and Sinestro and his core has the ability to now step in, and, you know, in the pursuit of order and peace and everything else, he, he can bring possibly bring that about, but he's questioning whether he has to basically throw away the Korrigorian mission uh, in order to accomplish that, or can he can he do both? Um, you know, it's a really freaky-looking Sinestro core member, a Quasitrell there is one of, you know, kind of gives Sinestro a briefing that so far nothing's really, they found no real method so far of being able to stop the countdown to, you know, to, to the meltdown. And, you know, then Des interrupts Sinestro's conversation and says, you know, you, you kind of, you asked to be notified, you know, when uh, your, you know, your daughter made her move against you and that kind of appears to be going now or happening now. We see an interest of, Sorna kind of sees this too, but we see it first, which is basically a kind of an interesting merger of ranks, Kind of merging with War World, which is kind of a, a very interesting concept. It's, visually, it's not you know overwhelming, but it's kind of what's what it could mean down the road is pretty cool. Just the way they're kind of like mer- merging together, and Sorenik sees this, and she doesn't know what you know. She's that kind of like the last straw for her. She goes to try to get a ship, a transport ship, which she was ideally going to use to take everybody off, um, take the new Korrigorians off, uh, to you know Korrigor. Korrigorian's off New Korrigor, excuse me, and Sinestro, of course, is there to greet her and goes, really, did you really think you could steal one of the ships? And it's like, uh, 
you know, Sinestro just kind of being his cocky self. It's like, you know, you know, perhaps I should blame myself, you know, if I really taught, and I love, and I love that panel, just the way he's kind of like looking at his fingers ever so casually when he goes, you know, if I had taught you properly from an early age, you probably wouldn't have entertained such a folly. And, you know, she just, this basically leads to a, a Luke Vader confrontation between Sornic and Sinestro, and they're, and, they're, and they're kind of duking it out, and, you know, Sin- which leads to an interesting splash panel, which Sinestro's ring is on the wrong hand. She's like, we haven't seen stuff like that before, right, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, of all people, Sinestro's not one that you should get the ring wrong. You know, that's one of those one-on-one kind of things. But moving on, uh, you know, Sinestro pretty much is planning on teaching Sornic a lesson, even though she did, may not it may not be the lesson she thinks that he's trying to teach her. Um, she comes up with a very good uh, an observation, which seems to be accurate, at least for, as, as far as Sinestro acknowledges that it might be. When she says that, you know, you 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 say that you've learned to, or that you claim to control fear, but it's the other way around. And she says, you know, uh, Sinestro says that's very astute of you, but that's only scratching the surface. You know, so they continue they continue to basically fight it out till, till the end and you know Sinestro go kind of makes the point clear to Sornic which is that you kind of counting on the fact that I won't use my full power you know to really hurt you that I you know that I'll, that I'll hold back but then he kind of points out that I can still use a whole hell of a lot of my power <laughs> without having to worry about it it's like it's like I don't really have to use all my power to defeat you so I can still get my point across by by doing you know by doing what I need to do and it's still not going to really kill you but I also don't have to hold back 100% either uh, or worry about it. Uh, you know, so Sinestro, he, he defeats Sorenic. He kind of puts uh, yellow handcuffs around her. And what the handcuff also does is it basically pries off the Green Lantern Corps ring for her. And Sinestro is kind of pointing this out that I'm not doing it to humiliate you. I'm not doing it to punish you either. I'm doing it for your own good. And at that moment, you know, the... The, Sinestro, the Green Lantern ring is still encased in a, a yellow sphere of energy. She's without a ring momentarily. As Sinestro points out, I'm, on, I'm only trying to do what for you what you would do for the Korrigorians. I'm saving you. Then a Sinestro core ring finds finds its way to her finger. You know, Sornik Natu of Korrigor, you have the ability to instill great fear. Welcome to the Sinestro core. And of course, upon the you have the ability to instill great fear fear part of the O of Sinestro kind of interrupts going, well, not yet, but you will soon enough. And this, and I, and not, and appropriately enough, this issue was entitled Daddy Issues. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was a pretty good issue. Yeah, not, not it's, bad. Yeah, it's not the best issue of Sinestro that we've had so far, but it's, but it, it, but it was good, and it kind of does. And we knew this kind of from some of the covers that we've seen coming down the road. We kind of knew Sornik was going to be was going to end up being a Sinestro Corps member. And then, and now that we know what's going on, I have a little bit more of a clue what's been what's going on with the with the Green Lantern Corps. It kind of makes sense for even for personal reasons why he would try, he would want to get her yellow as quickly as possible. Yeah. Which I'm sure he'll be blamed for, and she'll see that as you knew this was coming, didn't you? So. Yeah, probably. Kind of weird that ranks is a seed. Plant, yeah, it was plant. Yeah, Brant ranks is planting it, planting its seed in in, in the war world. There's a nice image for you. 
So the science division is on Warworld is trying to stop the meltdown on New Corrigar, or is there also a meltdown happening in Warworld? No, Warworld appears to be Warworld appears to be safe because they believe the whole thing is that there's whoever the traitor is. Because remember that was supposed to be one of the the mystery that was going on in in the annual and the I think it was more the annual than the last issue of the book that there was a traitor that that traitor in the Sinestro Corps, and that somebody had basically rigged uh, New Corrigor to explode. So mm-hmm. Warworld was, I think Warworld is just, excuse me, Warworld is safe from that problem. Unless so. Sinestro uses it in some sacrificial, craziest way. Um, let's see. I don't know what else is there to talk about. Um, Sinestro's ascension. How much have we heard about that so far? Total. Well, I think that's. I think that's just. I think that's just referring to. Again, another re- reference to the whole absence of the Green Lantern Corps. That his moment of, I think that's referring to the, his moment. So, his moment is this, as this, of ascension is the ascension of the Sinestro Corps to the ranks of protecting the universe. And, and him being the leader there, uh, thereof, yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I, that's what I think it means because it does, because it does come in right in the midst of their first conversation about, uh, him and Lissa, their first conversation about, what's going to be happening or what is about to happen to the Green Lantern Corps. So, which is interesting that she's, I mean, now we know, I mean, if there was any doubt, at least the main way Sinestro knows what's going on, it's, it's obviously through Lissa. You know, it's through her, her ability to see what's happening. So, but it does, but, but if there was ever any doubt that that was part of the reason why he knows what's about to happen. But still interesting, especially knowing potential, well, especially if you follow the hints, if it's accurate or where, where we think uh, the Lost Army actually is, that it's interesting that Lissa would still be able to... Well, there's no guarantee that Lissa does know where they are. Lissa just knows they're disappearing, to be fair. She may not necessarily know where they're disappearing to. Well, based on the last page of that issue, I think they know where they are. Yeah, it seems to... It does seem to imply. But I'm, yeah. but, but, the, but the point is that I thought... First, I was going to say, well, the, I, it's a bit hard to imagine why she would be able to know where they are, and the reality is there's nothing that necessarily says that she does. They just know that they're... Being taken away and they're just go- and they're disappearing. They're going to be out of. They're going to be uh, basically plucked out of our universe, and that's all. And that's really all that matters, as far mm-hmm. as her. so she doesn't need to know where they. It pro- I'm sure Sinestro would like to know where they're going, really, just because of planning ahead. But <laughs> yeah, Sinestro is kind of like Batman, like a evil space Batman. <laughs> um, I do like the art, although there are kind of places where it gets a little too much. And I don't know if it's too much and it's good or too much and it's bad. Like, for instance, the full-page splash where Sinestro comes all energy crackling out to face Sora. You know, the wrong, the wrong hand page? Uh, the wrong, the, the ring page? The ring on the right hand page? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. much not. It's funny because I don't think he, I don't like Sinestro in that. I think Sora looks okay in that panel. I don't like I don't like Sinestro in that panel. Yeah. And so and even Sora's kind of hit or miss. There are some there are some panels where I think she looks really really good and she kind of looks like Sora. And then there's other parts where I just don't I don't see it as much. Overall, I do like the art though. Yeah, I agree. Good job, Brad Walker. Uh, the inks aren't too heavy either, uh, at least in some spaces, uh, or most spaces, so, uh, you know, good on Drew Hennessy there as well. Um, kind of a little strange, and I don't know if it matters at all, um, 
or even if the new Korrigarians were would accept it. But it is it just me or does new Korrigar look barren and desolate to you? Well, yeah, but don't forget it's, it's Necropolis, right? That was that's where it was. Right, but where are they getting food and water? And would they accept, you know, uh, help, you know, reinvigorating the soil or, you know, would they accept help from Sinestro if he offered? So is Sinestro just putting them on this place as, I mean, he says basically in in there that he doesn't want to relocate them because he thought that this was a good spot, but it, it doesn't look like it's capable of supporting life very long. It may have an atmosphere, but where's the water? Where's the you know soil where they're planting crops or something? You know what what how are they, you know how are they doing? Where, where are they getting food? Um, and is, are they supposed to fend for themselves? Does Sinestro have a plan to help them? Would they accept that help? Like, I mean, at, at some point, uh, whoever this what's her name? Uh, um, Umaral. Yeah, Umaral. Yeah. Like, at some point, even if she doesn't want to accept his help, she does have to do what is necessary for her people, right? So, right. I would, ass- I would assume that she's, that at the moment they're accepting, they're accepting help until, at least until there's a time where they, you know, where they can do stuff and be at least self-sufficient from the, from the basic necessities point of view. But it doesn't seem to be much of an, much of an choice, really. I mean, it's not like they can go, it's not like they can leave on their own. Right. So they pretty much are. They can't. They really on on this level to you know they kind of are pawns in the game. You know Sinestro's game at the moment. So they don't. They they may not like it, but they don't have much of a choice. Yeah. I do like uh, some of these uh, lanterns that the art art team is creating. Like we do see several uh, lanterns that were from before, like that uh, triangle faced guy, the three eyes. Uh, with the horn chin thing, uh, we see uh, on some of the screens where we see Arkillo, we see the three-headed, like stacked-headed dude. Yes. Um, we see Carousel. What's the one by Sinestro's knee? There is that. Is that like a a dragon lantern, or do you think is that is one of Carousel's little dog things? Which page? Like, uh, the page where he's standing in front of all the screens. Oh, hold on. I just closed that page. Uh, and if, if it was one of Carousel's dog things, why is he concentrating on a construct? Yeah, it kind of does look like one of her dog things, um, but it's on a smaller screen. I'm not sure. I don't know. Hmm. But some of the new the the newer lanterns are pretty cool. Well, pretty cool looking. So it looks like there'll be a big membership drive in the Sinestro Corps. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I just wish that. I mean, this this book is doing a little bit better than some of the other titles were in the past, but about the whole these these cores are based on emotion, and I feel like there is a a drawback, to, especially with the more negative emotions, to recruiting fast and heavy. But again, this this issues this series has been doing pretty good about that, like the way Sinestro, you know, put the kibosh on some of the newer lanterns by right. letting himself destruct. So. But I, I wonder if, you know, for the sake of story or whatever, I just I just hope that they don't do huge recruitment drives. And if they do, they should deal with the consequences of doing that with such a with such a um, power set, an emotional based power set. Um, 
another thing, Sinestro does do hands-on combat with uh, Sora, but you notice that one panel where he's doing the whole standing there with his arms behind his back and just letting, you know, just kind of flying around dodging yes. her. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. And, that's, he, that's and, he, definitely and he brings back his, and it looks like he brings back his tiger friend again from the first issue to deal with her. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, otherwise, that's about it. There's there's no variation on her costume, though, either, huh? No, well, no, but prop, yeah. Other than the, the belt? Yeah, that's pretty standard. That, 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 and the, the, like, the things on, almost like, not really the gauntlet, but like, but the, uh. Wonder Woman bracelet. Yeah, the, like the brace, the, the, like the arm, the arm protectors there, the wrist protectors, that, uh, that, that seems to be pretty standard, you, standard too. But it doesn't mean she may, theoretically, it doesn't mean she wouldn't change her uniform. Assuming the Sinestro Corps gives you, you know, gives you as much flexibility in changing your uniform. Right. Um, not just based on obviously genetics, but based on, but it looks like they would because you know they they have on that on that page on the page when when Sinestro and Lysa are flying and flying into I think War World that you have the like that kind of like that almost like Hobgoblin Zoriel combination looking uh, Sinestro Corps member. So that's obviously a slightly different uh, uniform at least because he's got the cloak. So, so I guess there's some variations. You talking about the guy that kind of looks like a Sinestro Corps member, Moro? Yes, yes, actually, that's that's that is that is a good reference. He does kind of look like him. Yeah, it, yeah, because he because he kind of, but he, when I first saw him, he kind of looks like like Z- Zoriel and the Hobgoblin, like were merged into one. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so it was it was pretty good, and it continued. It's that's. With Sinestro, the thing that I think I like about the book, though, I guess if it if it if there's oh if it always does this, it could be a problem for some people. Is that it, there's a lot of setup. Yeah. There's still a lot of setup, and and setup is fine, but there's got to be some payoff, you know. And it, it's got to be not that there hasn't been any. I, I'm not going to say that at all, but you know, there's a lot of. But it, right now, it's I think a good amount of intrigue because it keeps you going. Try to because we still don't know who set you know who set up new corridor to explode we obviously still don't know how he's going to work around it um, so there's a lot of things that are still that the groundwork and we and it'd be interesting to see how what Sinestro's real plan is once you know once the green lantern core is out of action right okay next issue next issue all right so this is going to be green lantern number 41 um, now, DC did something kind of either genius or odd. In the case of Lost Army, I'm going to say dumb. In the case of Green Lantern, I'm going to say it makes sense. Um, in order to get more readers, I'm assuming, or get people more interested, they put out two preview comics, kind of, uh, for both uh, Green Lantern 41 and Lost Army number one. And these are about, like, little uh, eight-page, I guess. Uh, yeah, eight or pre- nine-page things. Yeah, eight, eight or nine-page previews. Uh, in the case of Green Lantern, what is happening uh, in the preview comic is not really necessary to this issue. In the case of uh, Green Lantern uh, Lost Army, however, it definitely is, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So uh, let me uh, start by uh, reading the uh, uh, doing an s- extremely brief recap of the preview. Uh, this is Space Sector 2813, Way Station 26, the outskirts of the Mining Belt. Uh, we come across those uh, 
fish-based Admiral Akbar-type lanterns uh, that we saw a couple of issues ago in Green Lantern. Uh, the the ones that uh, took the uh, the miners or the uh, um, illegal asteroid miners off Hal's hands. Yep. Um, they go into a bar to bust Hal because uh, there's basically a warrant, a, a universe wide warrant out for his arrest for the theft of the gauntlet, among other quote unquote unnamed crimes. They go against him. Uh, it doesn't work. He takes the main uh, uh, Akbar dude hostage. Uh, his uh, associates shoot their weapons. Um, the, he takes uh, he takes the Akbar guy out uh, with him and, and back to his ship. Uh, he's talking to him. Basically, he's uh, you know he asks him if he has a family. He says, you know, you risk not being uh, able to see your family again, uh, risk your officers not seeing their families again and homes ever again because you couldn't let me finish my Kundish ale in peace. That was the choice you made. I've got people I care about, don't know when, if I'll see them again. My home, you're sitting in it. I'm by myself now. That was the choice I made. Whatever you've heard about me, whatever uh, about the crimes I'm wanted for, know this. You're not the only cop who will sacrifice everything for the sake of the job. He then lets him out into space with a, uh, a homing beacon. Um, and uh, once he's out of the sector, he'll let his you know associates know where to find him. But as he lets him out, he says, you thought I was going to kill you? The universe needs guys like us. The universe needs hired guns. Uh, and then it says, Hal Jordan Renegade begins next month in Green Lantern 41. And, of course, Green Lantern 41 starts off in somewhere in Space Sector th- uh, 3087, uh, where basically there is a big betting ring going on in some sort of uh, fight fighting pit type of situation. Um, a monster comes out and faces down... Um, uh, it's Well, the, the monster alien is called a Creek... Uh, although it looks kind of like a uh, less intricate spacey ver, well, a less intricate. Uh, what's the name of the thing from Star Wars? Um, oh, I know. Which, uh, in, in Jabba's pit. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is embarrassing. I just yeah, had to get it in my super embarrassing. This, it's 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 rancor. something. Rancor. 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 There you go. It looks kind of like a rancor, like a small rancor. Um. Uh, this. Uh, I want to say almost royalty like guy uh, goes up against uh, this little rancor. Um, and uh, yeah, he is royal because he says, You will not sully my royal cape. So he knows he's going to die basically in this fighting pit. So he takes off his cape and tells the thing to finish it. Uh, suddenly, a construct sword appears on his hand and stabs through the creature. This guy has no idea how that happened. Um, uh, everybody starts screaming that the whole fight has been rigged, and we see a human guy with a cloak on and a power gauntlet on uh, walk away, so it's no secret who this guy is. Uh, later on during intermission, um, the uh, <laughs> there's a tiny little space mouse, that's cool, uh, <laughs> uh, is uh, uh, talking to this uh, fighter, this royal fighter. Uh, Hal comes up and starts talking to him and tells him, uh, you know, I'm the one who basically did this for you. I'm bringing you home. You know, home, did my uncle send you? You're almost a lump of Kriak crap. It matters who sent me. Uh, (laughs) uh, Then a couple of uh, bounty hunters, I guess, 
show up to take out Hal. Um, they say uh, Hal Jordan names whispered in every den in the sector, not just a Green Lantern, the Green Lantern. At least he was. Um, so they uh, uh, wait. Hold a sec. Are these guys bounty hunters or are they guards? I think they're guards. Because it but... says what people won't pay to see him at any ate by a pit beast. We're flush, gents. Hmm. No, no, it's they're bounty. Hey, careful, these are the ones that brought me in for a sale. Oh, okay. So basically, they have an arrangement with this with this arena. Yeah. So less. I guess they're bounty. I guess they're bounty hunters for this place. They, they're it's their job to go out and recruit talent. I guess. Um, I say, you know, don't make things difficult. <laughs> Didn't the whispers warn you? I always make things difficult. Uh, he attacks them with a space squid uh, or a, a construct squid. Um, and, uh, you know, how far do you think you're going to get? Uh, he says, uh, before he knocks one of them out, the guy says, I've got a secret for you. Uh, and then we don't know what the secret is. Hal calls Bull. And he says, when's the last time you ran across one wanted man? Um Hal puts on a construct helmet and knocks him out. Breaks his nose, too, it looks like. Uh, yeah, it says crack. So, yeah, breaks his nose uh, and knocks him out. They leave. Uh, he is taking the guy he knocked out in tow. Uh, and uh, to distract me, uh, and they, uh, Hal lets out all the pit beasts and cuts them loose. They go nuts on the crowd. Uh, he gets on a construct uh, space motorcycle with his uh, the guy he broke out and the guy he knocked out. Uh, and they go to Hal's ship, which is nearby. Uh, the Class uh, class 3 light cruiser, Darlene. I thought that said the Class N or something. Uh, I'm reading this digitally. Sorry, guys. I just sort of zoomed in, or zoomed out, rather. Um it's safe to say that Darlene is kind of like a smart-ass Aya <laughs> because uh, it's pi- it pilots itself and talks back to Hal. Uh, so she said, you know, uh, head take us towards dead center, Sector Zero. Uh, you said you'd be returning with one guest, Hal. Um, I had to deviate from the plan a little. Big surprise there. So that's how the <laughs> computer talks. Um and the computer says, you know, at least my previous owner was mindful of the payload thresholds and time schedules. <laughs> uh, uh, so he, they take off, uh, leave the planet's surface. Uh, he says, uh, uh, later on, the, the uh, captured uh, henchman wakes up. Um, he says, you know, you got paid to re- rescue the rich boy. That means you get paid to forget about me. And he's, nope, I don't. And uh, uh, the the royal guy is looking at a star map, and he's like, "Well, based on our trajectory, we're not going to my home." Uh, and the guy in the bars pipes up and says, "We're taking a little detour. There's something I need to check out." Or no, the house says that, and the guy says, "You don't know much, do you, rich boy? You, you types are always wrapped up in your little worlds. Why not ask your savior hero what he's all about?" And then suddenly, a construct hand comes forward and pulls this guy towards the steaming hot bars, and the royal guy goes, "I'd prefer you not strike someone who's in prison. It's unethical." <laughs> and we learn we learn a little something about Hal's power, the gauntlet, and and Hal says, "The gauntlet is a prototype. The interface with my thoughts isn't as fine tuned." As a Green Lantern ring, it can get a little spontaneous. 
<laughs> so um, he, he's talk. You know, he says. You know, he knows the law is not the same as you know doing you know, following them. And he says the bad guy says must be the cops put a warrant on you for thieving that glove gizmo plus beating one of their senior officers to mush because. Of course, you'd realize none of that was uh, was still your problem if you just listen. And then he <laughs> pulls him against the bars again. Uh, but the a, a bomb goes off. Something happens outside of uh, there's a big boom, uh, and it rocks the ship. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, "What the hell was that?" Asteroid impact, starboard hole. If you're going to take me off autopilot, I'd appreciate you paying attention to where I'm going. <laughs> and uh, so, evidently, they've arrived in Sector Zero, and we all know what Sector Zero is. What's happening, dead center? Uh, headquarters, the Guardian, seventy-two hundred lanterns, a freaking planet. It's gone. They're not here. The Green Lantern Corps is gone, uh, and we see. I'm guessing that's Oa. Probably. Uh, and uh, because Mogo was taking the exploded planet of Oa and its fragments and making kind of a ring around himself. So I'm assuming when Mogo disappeared, he left behind Oa in his little ring that he was making. Uh, that's what I'm assuming that is. Or, it's, it says, or, or, it's, or, or it's Alderaan, because it's pretty much the same kind of scene. <laughs> it pretty much is. <laughs> Uh, how's in Alderaan places? Um, <laughs> and it says next disappeared. That is that issue. Oh, I'm little things about the gauntlet. Yeah, and even though I haven't read the issue that came out last week, I think you'd learn more about the gauntlet. So I haven't read it yet. Either. Yeah, that kind of it's good that uh, well, it may, in a way it's good because it kind of gives you a kind of a blank slate, because other than when we saw Chrono first wearing it, other than Guy's little experience with it, we really hadn't seen anybody use it. We certainly haven't seen anybody use it for any period of time. So it does. it is kind of a blank slate to try to explore the differences between that that and the ring, since we know the ring is supposed to be a more advanced creation. That it, So I think there's certainly, a, it gives uh, I think Vendetti a lot of opportunity there to, to flesh out and make the Make the gauntlet for maybe for, and for better and for worse to be to sh- showcase its differences. Yeah, um, I do like Hal's new costume, though. I think I don't know. Does it on that page where that full page splash where he lights up with the power for the first time? Says I always make things difficult. Right. Do you think he looks sort of stocky there? I'm trying to get back like, to I, that page. Ugh. I feel like he should be. Yeah, he's that's. I, it's, even though it's mostly the coat, I think, but but yeah, I can see what you mean—the torso. Yeah. He is. Yeah, but we won't we won't delve into the art because we know we're gonna end up in the same place. But yeah, I just think at it's least a, Hal's hair is long, and that's a plus. I would actually. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I think I actually would have. I think I, in a way, I would have rather have more like a, the opposite. Have it be short. Have it like almost be buzzed down and stuff. Almost like a flat top or something. If they were gonna go for a different look, because. Um, because it's bad enough when he's drawn and he doesn't, and even on a good day when he doesn't look like Hal Jordan anyway, the way he's drawn. And then now you give him, you make him unrecognizable by, by design because of his hair and everything else. It's it's even harder to get anything that makes you think this is Hal Jordan, you know, other, other than the fact that we know he's Hal Jordan. But by looks, you would never know it was Hal Jordan. So I think it's kind of, so that's kind of a, that's kind of a problem. So 
I kind of uh, I don't I don't feel like there's a whole lot to. Okay, well, first and foremost, uh, what do you think the secret is? He told him. Well, he told him at the core. No, because the guy says, "When was the last time you saw one?" I still think he was talking about the core. So the one he's talking about is was a Green Lantern. That's what I think. I could be wrong, but that was my interpretation anyway. That he's that it's the same the same thing he's been trying to tell the same basic thing he's been trying to tell him all throughout is why it's not his problem anymore is because there aren't any Green Lanterns anymore. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not saying that I'm not, but I'm saying that's 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 based on the that's my that was my initial interpretation that when he said when was a lot what 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 did you think what what do you think it means then? I don't. I don't. I don't have any sort of theory or anything. I just didn't didn't know if it was related to this issue, or if he was talking about something else. Like you know, what was the last time you ran across? Oh, okay. I guess it makes sense when it says when's the last time you ran across one wanted man. You know, if he ran across, I guess the preview issue then makes sense a little more sense because if these this police force finds him. How is it he's not run across a Green Lantern yet? Right. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. I did like the preview, too. It was nice going back and revisiting the, you know, the, the constable there. And I really like the splash page of the preview where he's in the club with all the color and everything. Yeah. The color was extremely well done. <clears throat> so you know for, what I w- would like to see in this title? What? And I know, I know it's probably dumb because... These two characters, personality-wise, are sort of interchangeable. Sorry if you heard my phone going off. I was looking at the preview issue. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, I would like to see how, in this capacity, kind of acting like Malcolm Reynolds. Yeah, I, I know some people have talked have talked about something like that. It would be cool. It would be cool to see how, in that sort of a setting, he does. Have, he still has the power, but I mean, he says. Uh, you know, he says hired guns and everything, and not that, uh, I mean, Malcolm was in it for making a buck and, and for his crew and doing the right thing a lot, but, you know, it's, it's not like Hal's an out-and-out villain, so I'm sure he would still be wanting to do the right thing. So it would be cool to see him. I don't necessarily think this royal dude is anybody I'd want to see a part of it, but I would like to see Hal with his own little uh, crew. If it's just him in the spaceship, eh, if it's just him, the spaceship, and this one royal dude, I'd be sort of pissed because I kind of think that was probably the 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 kind of layout maybe of uh, the Larfleet series. You know, it was him and that one other dude for a little while. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. His so, but, his butler. Uh, yeah. So I, now, if if it's him, the spaceship, they drop the royal dude off, and he keeps this spiky-headed dude with him. That'd be kind of cool. It'd be almost like uh, did you? First of all, you. You've seen Firefly, right? Parts of it. I haven't seen most of it now. Okay. I, mean, I, it, I, I never. I never. I never got into that show. It could. It could be interesting if this guy, this uh, dude, he brought along with him, uh, ended up being part of his crew. Kind of one that is always itching for a fight, but could betray him. Kind of like Jane was. Uh, what's his name? Um, you know Jane from the show. Yeah. Okay, so that that'd be that'd be a cool a cool concept. I just don't like this royal dude. Uh, it seems like there's always some sort of stuck up, you know, follow the rules, what are you doing, you know, kind of a person. I kind of want someone who just goes along with the action instead of whines the whole freaking time. Uh, but yeah, if we have to have this Hal, 
and I think it's definitely a possibility we could get a kind of Firefly-esque, Malcolm Reynolds-esque Hal Jordan. I definitely think we're heading in the right direction. I'll, I'll definitely, as soon as we get done, I'll have to download the, the new comic and see if they're going in that direction. But I, I kind of feel like if they are going in that direction, a Firefly set in the, D, the DC universe with lantern powers is something I would definitely be interested in. Yes. So. It, it, the direction, this direction has potential. I yes. Mean, I think the first, the first issue was better than I thought it was going to be. Oh, not, well, maybe, maybe let me take that back. It, I don't know if it really was better than I thought it would be. I, I probably didn't go. I probably didn't go go in with a lot of expectations one way or the other. So I might. So I think I went in kind of a blank slate. So I could have gone either way. And I, and I like. So I kind of like. I kind of like the direction that it went off in. So um. So we'll see how. You know, I heard some. Though I know some things about what happens in the next issue, so I think that should be that should be interesting. And obviously, the previews for the cup for like for I think 43 is the one that has relic on the cover, so we know that's going to be kind of interesting. So yeah, I think this is pretty cool, especially while especially why the uh, while the core is missing in action, that it gives Hal a chance to be kind of like doing what he kind of what we wanted him to, to be anyway, just now with a ring. So it would yeah. be nice if he had a ring and he was hanging around, but he's basically having he's having the same kind of ex, ex, adventures that we would like, and at the and without having to be really bogged down in with other stuff going on, even though you know the absence of the core is going to be a huge factor in what you know what's going to be driving Hal, even though on an issue by issue basis he's going to be probably, he's going to have his own adventures along the way. Right. All right. Uh, are you ready for Lost Army then? Sure. Uh, so I'll talk about the preview for Lost Army, which is extremely important. Yeah, it is important, and I kind of, and I guess when when these previews were coming out, I guess I kind of misunderstood the, the previews from the point of view because sometimes we see that you get a, a few little preview pages at the end of an issue, at, at the end of a different book to promote a comic, but it doesn't mean those pages are not going to be actually in the comic itself when it comes out. Sometimes they're just like the first couple of pages of that comic. So I really, I, I didn't really, until I was reading Lost Army number one, I didn't quite, I mean, and the first page makes it clear that I, that's when it dawned on me, it's like, geez, that, that preview that I, that I looked on online and, and saw wasn't in this at all, and so that's gonna that's gonna confuse potentially. But I mean, it's not that it, not that you get a huge amount of clarification from this preview anyway regarding the, you know the, who we're talking about, but it's still at least it gives you a reason why he's there on the first page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the preview of Lost Army begins, you know, basically on this strange planet uh, where you have all not all you don't have you have a handful of Green Lanterns, including John Stewart, that just kind of like. They kind of wake up there, and they have no idea where they are. You know, he asked his ring to find out where they are. You know, the ring doesn't give him any kind of information. As this is going on, we kind of get an int- we get a a glimpse into, I guess, John Stewart's leadership philosophy, talking about you know how you know you a- you ask you know ten diff- you ask different people what makes a good leader, and you know you get, you get ten different answers, and you know what John Stewart kind of admits, which of course is obviously. We, in a way, it's an, in a nutshell, it kind of gives us an idea of uh, what this book is going to be about. Is that uh, when he says that being a leader is a lot like being lost in unfriendly territory. And as this preview goes on, he kind of gives you more details or more try to make that analogy more 
you know, co concrete. But we find, so the John Stewart's, the lanterns that are with John Stewart are Kilowog, 2-6, Real Vrek, and Arisia. And, you know, the ring is unable to locate where they are. Um, they have these weird, like, yellow-orange crystal-like things that pop up in the sky that basically that have detected the lanterns and they start coming in they start coming in towards them it cuts right through uh, two sixes shield and damages her arm and the lanterns pretty much find themselves engaged in battle with these things and you know, meanwhile you know John Stewart continues his I won't go into all the specifics but John Stewart continues to basically talk about you know his idea of leadership um, you know, the, the the ring, you know, it's like, oh, Kilowog, we need backup. And this reminds, because you mentioned that my movie review, it kind of reminds me of, of, like, Terminator 3. It's like, ring, we need backup. Unable to comply. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, even, so, the lanterns continue to, f to continue to fight, which I guess they'll be called the, what, the, what, the, cle the cleansers, right? Is it the cleansers? Or is it the cleansers? So. The cleansers, I think. We, we get that in, uh, they're like white blood cells. Yeah, that's that's where I was gonna go. Yeah, as as we find out in the actual issue, they're essentially like antibodies in the blood, and they sense that the lanterns don't really belong there, so they're trying to take them out. But this is, um, so Kilowog asks, you know, John, John, do we fight? Do we run? You know, John makes the decision that you know this fight is lost. We pretty much gotta we gotta get out of here. Uh, and while you know while they're doing that, you know we still he asked the ring you know, to you know locate Salak, locate the central power battery, and the ring continues you know to tell him that you can't find Salak, you know the, the power battery can't be found, and you know and Rill over there reacts you know to the the she has an empathetic connection to creatures that are around her, so she takes different forms and different shapes, and what we find out is that you know. Basically, at the moment, she's kind of taking the form of the things that are, are she's relating to the things that are attacking them. That you know they, they're only, you know, there is only the need to clean, to purge, which does not belong to erase the foreign matter, and that's pretty much what they are. Um, and she says, you know, we created them because we are alien to this place. They're newborns. And John Stewart, you know, they're all kind of talking about how they're away long, you know, they're away from home and. And John goes, it sounds like we're alone. And then all of a sudden we hear, no, wherever we are, whoever you are, you know, you're not alone. And then we see a damaged but very Malthusian pre-Guardian-looking Krona standing there with them. And that is the, you know, kind of like a the, sh the shocking revelation that, of course, we don't even get in a damn real issue. <laughs> So that so that's where the preview ends, and if you didn't have that scene when you begin the first page, which basically picks up on the the lanterns, and even though Krona doesn't really do any fighting, but Krona's kind of there, that they're continuing to fight, you know, these cleansers, and again, you'd be lost if you didn't. You, you could be really confused about why Krona is there. You know, John kind of talks, and this ties into you know, kind of like the reveal at the end of this issue too. About, you know, when you're in the military and in command, you learn to be aggressive, you know, because aggression shows confidence, inspires your fellow jarhead, and puts the fear of God into your enemy. So he's kind of like, 
So the lanterns are all being super aggressive, trying to take on the cleansers, but they're also, you know, John kind of points them out that you better watch your power level at the same time, so make every shot count because of the fact that we have no idea when we're gonna or how we're gonna be able to recharge. Krona kind of observes all this, and you know, it's like fascinating. The rings convert emotion into hard light constructs, so it's already kind of setting the stage that that unless he's doing a really good acting job, that this Krona is probably certainly not the Krona that we've seen. We have seen the most recently uh, in, in Green Lantern comic books. So this is a not just by his height, but by his his overall attitude and his. I hesitate to say innocence, but his naivete or his lack of knowledge when it comes to some of the things that they're dealing with. He seems to be a novice yet in dealing with the idea of the you know really the emotional spectrum. Um, you know, Kil- Kilowog gets hurt. Uh, John Stewart. Asked to locate the Green Lantern Corps, he asked his ring, and three Green Lanterns and a fourth anomaly are found within scanning range. So that kind of makes John feel good because they've located some more Green Lanterns. He, John keeps, you know, and the talk about aggression, you know, as being as a tool, you know, it can be used as a weapon, and it flashes John back to his Marine days when he basically, uh, he and a bunch of his fellow Marines were pinned down, and John takes it upon himself to basically get into the get into the front seat, it looks like, of the Humvee there, and t- to start taking out the snipers that have them pinned down, and he tells the rest of his troops to go, and, you know, while he's doing that, the troops kind of all grunt for cover, they're trying to get John to come with him, because the, I mean, this kind of looks more like Afghanistan than uh, Iraq, but either way, that RPG is being loaded, you know, and, and, you know, and, and John's still holding his ground, and then we flash back to, or flash forward, I guess, to John in the present fighting the cleansers about, you know, aggression wins wars, and more importantly, it can keep you alive when the sky is falling. And for a brief, for a brief moment, cleaners, the cleaners, are not the cleansers, but it's the same kind of thing, uh, that they have a brief moment where, you know, the, the cleaners are kind of, they have pushed back the, the cleaners attack, so they kind of like, they try to hightail it out of there. And Krona, you know, Krona's kind of observing everything, and it's like, uh, that's when Krona makes the observation that they're kind of like uh, antibodies in the bloodstream, and John's like, you're just kind of loving all this, aren't you? And he's like, you know, it's more than that, my new friends. This is what I was born to do. You know, I'm meant to be here, and we kind of get a, a very slight rehash, very slight of, you know, how Krona's, you know, desire to, you know, observe the beginning of the time and the ending and of about his observation about the multiverse and then we just kind of see see basically Krona arriving here or having arrived here excuse me which so that seemingly implies that some of Krona's uh, the things that he was told not to do somehow that may have ended with him coming to where they are now that um well, you know, Krona's kind of rambling on. John, you know, John Stewart kind of switches to the telepathic, you know, subchannel, so he and the Lanterns can have a conversation amongst themselves. And you know, obviously, you know, Kilowog is like, you know, he's he's really, you know, he's like, this is Krona, John. We know we can't trust this guy. And of course, there are some some of the Lanterns don't have any idea who he is. Like Two Six has no idea who Krona is since their time in the court, you know, was. Long after you know the War of the Green Lanterns, and basically at this point, the uh, John and his lanterns find 
the other three lanterns that were that his ring detected, but they're all basically encased in red crystals, solid red crystals. And it appears that, you know, they were, they, it broke through their force fields and then they were smothered by this red energy in, or this, in this crystal. We kind of get our first four, and I won't go into de- over a lot of detail about this now, just because the ending of ending of it kind of makes it perfectly cool. Makes it pretty clear what they're certainly insinuating. But we get our first clue, maybe, of where the lanterns are, because we see a you know a spear, a spear with a kind of a familiar look to it, float, broken in half, floating in space. Yeah, it's with a you know it's a red tip. John uses his ring to scan it, and and some emotional energy residual is detected in its rage. So it basically it's red you know it's red energy, but it's certainly not energy in the form and that John Stewart and anybody else is used to. Krona uh, kind of makes the you know Krona kind of. Big Krona goes, you know, those rings, they're connected to the power source you mentioned, right? Your power battery. You know, if I could, if I might, if I could have one of those rings that come, come into contact one, maybe I could find the way back. And, you know, of course, then Kilowog's going, you're not really considering this, are you? And John's kind of weighing the options. And again, the lesser of two evils, maybe it's not such a bad idea. So unfortunately, what he, his, his, his middle ground or, you know, cutting, cutting to the chase, no pun intended, is to cut, you know, I, cut a hand off one of the, the deceased Green Lanterns, and Kronos' suit is able to plug into the severed hand with the Green Lantern ring on it. And Kronos says, well, see there. You know, the signal is distorted, but I believe that is your emotional energy reserve. And, of course, 2-6 uh, and, and the Lanterns are all looking at the map that he just brought up, and it's like, does anybody recognize this sector of space? Because it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen before. You know, the, at this moment, the cleaners start regrouping and start coming in. But before the lanterns can get attacked, green and r- red energy comes swirling, and, and basically, they take out these cleaners. And we see the who the anomaly was, or the anomaly was, it was Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner shows up more looking like traditional Guy Gardner, except he's wearing two rings, the red and the green. You know, his, his almost his tradition, his modern day uniform when he was Green Lantern, except he's got his gloves and his boots are red with some, you know, red trim uh, and around the waist and the symbol of the Green Lantern Corps has red behind it. I don't like the fact that they mentioned you know, something that he talked about. It is being kind of following the continuity or what was hint, discussed at the end of the last issue of Red Lanterns when Guy was talking about those magic rings. He refers to the rings once again as magic, which I don't like, though. It would be a nice segue to our next episode, probably, in a way that... Uh, nice segue into some feedback we have later on. That's true, so it works perfectly. So, uh, you know, so Guy, show, so Guy shows up, and, you know, John asks Guy, do you know how he got here? And Guy's kind of being funny. He's like, yeah, as per usual, I'm, I'm clueless. <laughs> He goes, but I have my suspicions. And of course, he wants to blame it on the Guardians. And John's kind of funny, going, "Hey, you got red and green rings now, so now you're the Christmas Lantern." <laughs> and it's like, yeah. And then John, and then Guy kind of notices Crona, uh, and he goes, "My eyes must be playing tricks on me because I think." And then John starts, ta- you know, communicating with him telepathically, going, "You know, yeah." He kind, he kind of fills him in, and you know, and Guy's like, "So what do you think?" He's, you know. You got amnesia, or do you think he's just playing games? Or, and John goes, you know, I think he, you know, maybe he's possibly not the Chrono we we know yet. Maybe he's time traveling. It's like anything's possible. And Guy makes it clear, you know, anytime, you know, if he, 
that's all said and good, but you know, if he but if he crosses the line and tries something, he's going to gut him. And at this point, uh, uh, Rill over there takes on. <laughs> she picks up on Guy's energy, and she basically makes it. As she's flying in space next to Guy, she more or less becomes almost a direct duplicate of Guy. <laughs> hey, Kilowog, Oh, great! Now there's two of them. <laughs> And then, and then John Stewart stops the advance of the lanterns. Everybody kind of looks like either stunned and/or confused. And he goes, "Hold up, lanterns! I think we're." And the guy's kind of funny here. So, were you going to say screwed? Because I was going to say screwed. And then we get the big, we get the big reveal at the end of a bi- the big red energy pyramid, which appears certainly to be the pa- the red central power battery of Relic's universe. Mm-hmm. And John is you know picking up on you know he goes back to his aggression wins wars concept and he goes I can feel it coming off this thing in waves more aggression and rage than I've ever felt before and if it's a weapon I can only imagine that it's aimed right at us. Mm-hmm. And that ends the first issue of Lost Army. And we say uh, Relics Universe because it looks exactly like one of those pyramids right down to the design because I am looking at Green Lantern twenty three point one right now. Uh, and on the page where uh, Relic is talking with the Blue Lanterns of his universe, uh, their power battery is dead, and it looks exactly like the power battery we see here. The only difference, I would say, let me go to the the last page here of uh, this comic. I'm looking at it digitally. Um, the only difference is on the Blue Lantern homeworld and Relic's universe, there seemed to be some sort of piping coming off of uh, various points uh, on the bottom of their pyramid, uh, anchoring it to the ground. But that's about it. Um, Otherwise, it looks exactly like it. And the other hint, of course, was the spear that Mark mentioned. Uh, And again, I'm looking at, uh, well, there are no ads in this digital issue, but page six of this this adless digital issue of 23.1, uh, the spear, uh, they, they, it's not so much a spear, even though it looks like it. They were called light staffs. Yep. Um, and just to go around the page I'm looking at here of the various lanterns from this universe, the violet light of passion, the, the uh, indigo light of empathy, the blue light of faith, the green light of resolve, the yellow light of terror, the orange light of gluttony, and the red light of fury. Um, so, uh, it, this, uh, in, in this universe, I'm sure these will be the Fury Lanterns, not the, the, the uh, Rage Lanterns, but, you know, same thing. Um, another interesting fact here, even though it's basically the same in our, in, in our quote-unquote universe, um, in the very uh, next page of 23.1, they show, uh, you know, those cities that were made of light. Yes. Uh, and one of the captions says, Red Granted Immortality replacing the wielder's beating heart with light itself. Um, so even though the heart stops of a red lantern, it's, uh, you know, maybe there's a slight difference there. So immortality um, and uh, and everything there. So, uh, But definitely, definitely, definitely has to be in Relic's universe. I wonder if this is a consequence of Convergence. You know, now that the, uh, at, at the end of Convergence, now that the multiverse is back, if Relic's universe was part of the multiverse and has such been reborn? If so, does that mean the relic we're going to be seeing later on uh, is the same relic 
that was in the wall? Uh, or is this just a relic that is it relic, but from the recreated universe? Um, and if so, or if not, then is do anybody does anybody in the recreated universe of relic remember relic? You know, does that make any sense? You know, what I'm trying to say. No, I think I. This is what this is what I think. I think there's, I think. I don't think it has to do with convergence. I don't think that's that would be. Too, I mean, yeah, it, it obviously would be a. It's a pretty easy out if they wanted to do that. I think what's probably gonna. It's either gonna be. Obviously, it could be one of a gazillion things. I think it's gonna be either. Relic's universe was not entirely destroyed to begin with. He thought it was, but it wasn't. Or what it could be is maybe somehow when the emotional spectrum was replenished in our universe, it also replenished it somehow back in the old universe too. So every universe I don't know. From yeah. Well, it's, it depends. I mean, because every universe has a source wall. Maybe, maybe. I don't know, but I don't think. I mean, it could, it could be convergence. That in a way would be the easiest, but I don't know. I think it's. I think there's going to be more to it. I think there's going to be more to it, which ties. I'm, maybe I'm just. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. But I think it's going to be more into it that's going to um, kind of add layers into what you know, relic, relic, our understanding of Relic's universe and Relic's understanding of what actually happened in his universe and the emotional spectrum. That I, I don't think it's going to be just as simple. So I'm pretty sure the Relic we're going to see is still the Relic, the, the same Relic that we saw last time we saw him, which was after he got free of the wall. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's, so that, that's, that those, those are the closest thing to theories that I have that they're just, the question is how, the real question is how and why they got transported to that universe. That's, I think, just as intriguing as why they're still, but it couldn't, but, well, The yeah. real question is why is Guy's costume so fucking ugly? Yeah, yeah, at least he's, at least he's more at least he doesn't have the hippie look anymore, so that's a that's a plus. Because I guess because they gave Hal that look, they didn't want to have two lanterns wearing the same, <laughs> using the same mo now. Uh, but it it, it is interesting. Maybe 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 it is newborn. Maybe it is newborn. The this universe, so maybe it has been restarted. But again, obviously the fact that uh, Krona's here is going to be a factor, and we and as some people have speculated, maybe it. it Maybe Krona is part of the reason, or if not the, or the main reason, why that why that universe got wiped out to begin with. Maybe Krona, maybe Krona did, maybe Krona, maybe Krona did something that started siphoning off the emotional energy from that universe and put it into ours. Mm, that's true. They do keep fucking with Krona's uh, original thing because, as I've said a million times, I know it sounds like I'm bragging, and as a matter of fact, you know what? Screw you. I am bragging. Um, I do have Green Lantern. Is it 40 or 45? Wait, hold on. Let me check. 40. Oh, sorry. It's Green Lantern 40, the one with uh, 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 Hal Jordan facing off uh, against Alan Scott on the cover with the Guardians in the background. This is the issue from the Silver Age where it explains the origin of the uh, Guardians and, of course, the, uh, the it's the first time the Krona story appeared in comics. Uh, but they do keep fucking with Krona, uh, Krona's uh, story. You know, when he looked back at 
shattered the universe and created it into a multiverse where there was supposed to be one universe there was now multiple um it created the antimatter universe it did blah 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 they keep they keep screwing with what not necessarily what Krona did but the effects of what he did so that's I, w- I would not be surprised in the slightest if they did the same here and yeah, and there's a bunch of different ways to explain it too, because we we don't know every we don't know entirely everything Croner did, all his experiments, everything that he was doing. Because um, Lord knows we never even got a good explanation in a way for what the for, for the first lantern <laughs> yeah. of him just showing up and everything and what you know and they kind of jumped from point A to point B pretty quick with him. I think yeah, so I th- so it could very well that maybe maybe we're gonna maybe the loss of the emotional spectrum and that in and Relic Universe had to do with something with Krona, f- you know, fucking around with stuff. So we don't know. Uh, but the fact the fact that Krona is there onto itself, you know, obviously has to be a huge factor in what in in the explanation for uh, not just necessarily where they are, but why they're there and what happened to this universe. Krona definitely has to know what's going on too. Um, I'm sort of wondering if Krona can tap into their sub-telepathic network and he's just, because he's a scientist, he's just listening. He's not reacting because he's trying to learn everything he can. I thought about Uh, that too. uh, Plus, Guy does mention the Guardians by name. So now, obviously, the Guardians didn't necessarily call themselves Guardians when um, this Krona was around. Uh, And by this Krona, guys, we mean... Uh, this Krona, at this point, they were not called Guardians. They were Malthusians. Um, although, with speaking of the First Lantern, weren't they wielding white light at the time? At some point they were wielding – I'm trying to remember if it was right when they were dealing – they certainly were dealing right when, when Krona was about to get exiled, right? Because yeah, and if they were wielding light and protecting the universe – okay, so in other words – This could be a pre – yeah, this could be a pre-emotional spectrum Krona, which is kind of hinted at because of the fact that he's on the surface again, he could be bullshitting everybody, but the fact that he seems so completely marvelled by the fact that somebody is able to use a ring that's making you know hard constructs out of light. So I don't think he's completely immune, uh, 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 surprised though, because look at the color of his aura around his um, around his suit. Wait a sec. Who is 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 it his suit or does it clearly show somebody putting the thing around him? What page? No, I mean just any page. You see Krona. Well, I don't. Um, most of the pages I, I think most of the pages where we see Krona. Oh, I I see I see what you I see what you mean. I think I'm is pretty sure that's two, like two. I think that's like two six. Because okay. remember, two six makes the point of saying that who is this guy that I'm babysitting? Yes. So I think she's probably the one. She is probably the one that's putting putting the the aura around him or the force field around him. Hmm. Yeah. Because he really wouldn't have any way of doing it, and it would stand out like a sore thumb if he was doing it on his own. So. Right. And plus, actually, you know what? If you look, if you look at the, if you look at the scene. The panel where he's plugging his suit into that uh, severed hand—it actually almost looks like the energy flowing off at two six into into him. 
I'm sorry. It's going to take me a second. I gotta, I'm using my Surface to it's scroll okay. through those pages. Sorry, I, and, of course, there's no page number on this, so it's kind of hard to... It's Yes, it's the page when he, John chops off the red ha- hand out of the red crystal. I went past it. Uh... Okay, yeah, it is. So it's slowing yeah. off at 2.6 into uh, Cronus, so that makes it kind of cl- pretty clear at that point that it's she's she's creating it. Then, yeah. then again, then again, his he, he he's perfectly capable of integrating uh, the ring tech and not just being able to uh, access it, but pull up specific information, and he does it extremely quickly. I mean, the, he, just because he's a smart scientist doesn't necessarily mean he should be able to immediately access that information. No, there's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. But yeah. But there's also but there's also another panel where it looks like it's flowing off for her into him when uh but the panel when guys looking at Krona going, you know, maybe my eyes are playing tricks on me, but one of the tentacles of two six is pretty much again feeding touching almost touching Krona and the energy's kinda of like connecting the two. Yeah. So, I'm not saying he's not capable of it, I just don't I think at this yeah, point yeah. at this point that he's it's, I think it's being set up that she's the one who's True. It, regardless, the biggest the biggest uh, thing though is the fact that Guy audibly says Guardians. Uh, so depending on when in the timeline this Corona is from, you know, is is this because it, when Corona explains his own uh, his own history, let me see what, exactly what he says. I'm going there. Sorry, guys. I'm using my Surface to swipe back and forth. He only says I, peers. I'm, I am a scientist, and I dedicated myself to the observation of multiversal possibilities. Other universes, the beginning of time, the ending. My peers warned me not to stray too far, not to tempt the unpredictable nature of reality. So when Krona was looking back and saw the hand collapsing or or birthing the universe or whatever, that was when everything happened, according to most every story we've ever read. Again, they could be changing things up. They could be fudging the timeline up a little bit or, or whatever. Um, but based on those uh, notations, I'm wondering... See, everything's so screwed up. Based on Green Lantern 40, I would say this is a Krona that knows what... Uh, based on Green Lantern 40, combined with what we know from the first Lantern storyline and Krona being around when the Guardians were using the white light... I would say that the name Guardians would be something that would tip Krona off as to where Green Lanterns came from. Could be. It yeah. certainly, it certainly would be. It would make sense. But again, they could be fucking with everything, so it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't matter my my suppositions because essentially, uh, the DC universe has been not necessarily restarted, but because the multiverse is back, DC's explanation now is. Just because if it if you're reading something in a comic and it doesn't happen the way you remember it, it did happen the way you remember it in another universe. So it doesn't. It all my supposition and thinking could be for naught. So plus he plus as it's suggested in the issue, it's possible that he does that maybe he not maybe he does have some form of amnesia that he actually is a he that all those memories really are there, but but. Maybe traveling from one from one dimension or one universe to another temporarily, he you know 
he's not able to pull up everything. So you don't know. So the well, I, I'm sure. So him, you think you think it's possible that he looked back, caused uh, saw the, the 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 creation of the universe. It shattered reality. In shattering reality and creating the multiverse, it pulled him through into another universe. He's amnesiac, and then when we see him being judged by the other guardians, that's after everything we're reading here. Like he's pulled back and put right back into his own timeline. Could and be. This could. I mean, some. I mean, it may not have happened. You know, may not be exactly every single beat that you just mentioned. But the. But it is a possibility that this is. Yeah. That, that this is a middle ground somewhere where he is now. That the okay. eventually. That this was one of the travels that he made before. Basically, you know, he got. He ended up basically having to pay the piper for, for what he did. That. Uh, or or this could be a test. Like, yeah. Yeah. You just, know. But before everything that happens in – and guys, I know this is this, the early Silver Age. For all I know, Green Lantern 40 has a billion holes in it uh, based on all the, the 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 shit that's happened since then in the DC Universe. But this could be before – he's doing various explorations and tests before he gets up to the quote-unquote big event that happens when he looks back and sees the hand of creation. Yeah. yeah okay. I think, there, I think there are lots of explanations for, for why and – and where this Krona can be from and what time frame in his development, if you will, or his evolution where where he is. So I think it's... We should review Green Lantern 40, by the way. That'd be a cool episode. Hmm. I have to see if I had that one. I might have that one. I'm not sure. Oh, that one? <clears throat> I got it framed. Uh, let's see. Um, everything else? Uh, did they... Did they, uh, I don't, I'm trying to, no, see, I closed number 23.1. Um, do you remember if the lanterns in uh, his universe use crystals? I don't think they did. Cause I, cause they made that city out of hard light constructs. So I just don't remember there being a crystal quality to their, their stuff, their power. Then, then again, the the Star Sapphires in our universe. Have... Right, that's actually what I was thinking of. That it could it could be another, it could be either another defense or there could be something else that uh, we made just because we didn't see it doesn't mean that we saw you know like the full extent of what their lanterns True. did and because we didn't get to see the other than them you know other than that nice you know splash of the you know the city made of light and stuff other other than that we didn't see them using their powers all that much except for like shooting energy at each other yeah so i think but it is in but it's certainly it's it's an it's an interesting it's i mean in a way it makes some kind of sense that they would go this route but i I didn't really think originally when once we found out what the lost army was eventually was really about it the first thing that didn't pop into my head was oh they're going to be in relics universe that's not what I thought, but you know, but it kind of it it works. I mean, it could be it, it could be interesting, and Definitely. I guess that'll tie it, it. Eventually, I'm sure it'll tie it into that'll tie it back into Green Lantern, since we know Relic is and is going to be at least occasionally a factor in that book. So that probably will just be setting the stage for helping to get uh, getting the the Green Lanterns back where they belong. Which means there's a big storyline coming up. Well, big, big in quotes because we only have three books now, so it ain't going to be that big. <laughs> Unless it goes on for like five months, <laughs> which sure. it could. But I'm saying, but it's, but at least now any events, even if it crosses over into all three, all the Lantern books, is only a three-book crossover. 
Yeah, I think the most, uh, in terms of the, this particular issue, the most we have in terms of talking about it doesn't actually come from the story itself, but more of where the potentiality of where it's heading. Right. So, anything else? I liked it, though. I thought it was, I I probably like this issue, I probably think this was the best of the three for me this month. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I would I would say, and, and this would be a good place to put this, because we're about to go to break, guys, and have a bit of a... So a couple of ads, and uh, then we'll have our, our intro to our uh, our uh, feedback. Uh, feedback, uh, because I told I told people a long time ago we'd be doing that. Uh, the intros would be uh, inspired by Craig Ferguson tweets and emails. Uh, <laughs> but finally, we I get to use that. But regardless, uh, <clears throat> the uh, DC since Convergence has come out with uh, several new creative. Uh, fun titles. Uh, let's say, uh, let's see, Batmite, Bizarro, uh, Black Canary, Doctor Fate. Uh, there's a Martian Manhunter title now. Uh, a couple things. I've read Batmite, Bizarro, Black Canary, and Manhunter. Manhunter seems intriguing, but kind of kind of odd. Uh, Bizarro was a lot of fun. Batmite. Uh, eh, I'll have to give it another issue or two to see if I see how that shakes out. Black Canary definitely interesting, but again. Uh, to be fair to the Black Canary thing, I think that anything, because I, I, I just pre-ordered a, a, an issue from Image uh, called Tokyo Ghost, I think, uh, that's coming out that was just solicited because of Sean Gordon Murphy doing the art. Basically, when I see Sean Gordon Murphy doing the art on something, I basically Im- immediately pre-order it. Um, and I think the art in the Black Canary comic is very Sean Gordon Murphy-esque. So I might be pre predisposed to giving that more of a chance than it really deserves, but I don't know. Uh, we uh, the, and the reason I'm saying this all now, guys, is because I've bitched about DC in the past, and I will probably continue to bitch about DC when they do stuff wrong. But I am all about giving credit where credit is due. It seems like DC post convergence is giving us a lot of cool new stuff. At least they're trying. Um, now, whether or not I like all of it or whatever is is one thing or another. But then again, maybe I'm not meant to like every single title that they put out. Um, also, uh, uh, DC is has uh, uh, the regular titles like Justice League uh, and things like that. They they aren't matching up very well in in terms of characters like for instance i think have you read justice league of america number one no i have not hal jordan's in it hal jordan green lantern is in it (laughs) so in terms of timelines and things being matched up it's not very uh it's not very clear what happens when but then again which is more important to us uh is it more important to know what happens when or is it more important to have a fun, entertaining comic series? So I, I, I'm wondering if if um, if one if if you want both, the options are extremely limited in what stories can be told. But if you're willing to sacrifice one for the other, I guess sacrificing continuity uh, within all your titles for quality storytelling is a sacrifice I'm willing to make. You know? It, will be, it, it, it does bother me on the surface, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, 
well, I wasn't really enjoying a lot of what they were doing, so I guess it's better that I enjoy more and just kind of I'm a little confused than just hate everything. Yeah, I think it's gonna it's gonna be I think it's it's an interesting approach, and it's gonna be curious to see how it works out as far as overall what people's opinions are going to be about it because it it opens the door like we've talked about before, that you can pretty much tell any kind of story with any characters that have ever existed in any time frame, and it's going to be continuity somewhere. It's not going to be... So it's not an else necessarily an else world or anything else, and you don't have to worry about it. Okay, well, how does this fit in? So that does open up a lot of potential. But as far as... People probably, I think for the most part, people kind of like having some kind of continuity of knowing what, you know... What happened when, what happened, you know, this happened, that happened, this happened. So the fact that so much stuff can be, so much stuff can be thrown at you now. And like you mentioned, trying to figure out when these things, certain things take place now, you know, the Justice League, you know, the way that, you know, the Justice League book, the preview, the way that even before Convergence, that the preview when Hal showed back up again, kind of was implying, and I, and I took it as that was going to mean that, you know, when Hal was going to be renegade, that he still was going to have a ring. Because you know, because here he is on Earth, you know, basically, and he'd be in Red, Red Lantern ter- territory, so the Greens couldn't really come come get him anyway. So, but figuring out where the stuff fits in, you know, it becomes almost impossible now in a way. So, I'm, so that could create a lot more that could create a lot more confusion too. So, it'd be interesting to see where, how what the consensus opinion is when all is said and done, or at least the first few months of this. Obviously, all said and done, it is way down the road. But the first three or four months of, of some of these books, and then once we start getting into like, once some some events occur that involve some characters, but maybe it's not an all universe encompassing event. You know, when people are they going to be bothered that they have no idea when this actually took place, or but people don't care. <laughs> so. All right. All right. Anything else about these issues? No, but I think it was a good month, though. I think overall, I think it was a it was a it was a good month. It was a good a good start for the for, for the even though Lost Army is technically the only new book, but it, for the new direction of the two Green Lantern titles, I think it was a good start. And Sinestro continues to be good, so mm-hmm. I think so. I think it's yeah. I think we're in we're in good shape. And next month we get that uh, was it IDW that's doing it uh, the Star Trek and Green Lantern crossover. Yes, so that cool. begin that will begin. So what well, so. What is our plan to wrap to wrap include that in our next uh, current issue review? Yeah, just because of the amount of titles we have, it's not like we're adding like a fifth book. We're just you know getting back up to four, so yeah, we might as well. Uh, yeah. Plus, plus, I think it'd be interesting. Um, do do uh, okay? Do you have experience with Star Trek the TV show? Yes. And you're a big Star Trek fan. Is it fair to say? No, I'm more, much more Star Wars than Star okay. Trek. But I, but I, I like Star Trek. I, I, I would, if I had to pick one, I think I would definitely pick. I would have picked Star Wars to say which one I'm more aligned with. So, me, me too as well. However, I will say this: uh, I have probably seen smatterings of episodes across the Star Trek line, including original Star Trek and like Next Gen and things like that. Um, I would loathe to say uh, right off the top of my head if I have actually ever seen a Star Trek movie and like not not the new ones like uh, of, of the old ones uh, and if if I have if I've seen it all the way through uh, in my mind 
I don't remember seeing one. Although, was there a Star Trek movie where they went to the past? Yes. Okay, I think I've seen that one. But the and they were like, yes, yes. Okay, okay. That 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 popped up in my head for some reason. And was there a Star Trek episode where everybody was playing some sort of weird game? And uh, like uh, it was it was uh, like a headset you were wearing or glasses or something you were wearing, and you were supposed to put discs and little tube things or whatever and everybody got does it make sense i've seen that because there's something called um there's something over here called master pancake which is basically like a comedy troupe uh you go to the you go to the movie theater uh and you uh a, a comedy troupe kind of talks over the movie oh that, yeah like riff riff tracks and things like that basically. yeah it's like that but it's a it's uh it's a local thing in austin they they call it master pancake uh, and I, I think I saw that episode over uh, a master pancake kind of settings. But so, and that, but regardless, uh, according to the solicitations, the Green Lantern Star Trek crossover is set in the new universe, where you know, like Chris Pine is. Yes, that's it, what the art would indicate that to be. Okay. The case. So, so I'm assuming <clears throat> that it relies on uh, not necessarily you having an extensive Star Trek knowledge, just. That it's you're you're aware of Green Lantern and you've seen those two movies. Yes, I think uh, that's probably fair to say. Okay, so but I think it would be interesting for someone like you who has a little bit more of a history with Star Trek, being able to read these comics and maybe seeing where it's going and what kind of characters are going to be involved involved on on the Star Trek side of things, whereas I wouldn't know where it's going on that side. Well, hopefully I'll be able to pick up on something. Yeah. It was a Star Wars crossover. I had more confidence. (laughs) Yeah, true. Uh, So we're going to go to break, guys, and we're going to play a couple ads and then our little teaser uh, uh, tweets uh, tweets and emails uh, jingles uh, that we'll we'll be playing. Although (laughs) once we get to the feedback, it will kind of be weird that we're using the word tweets and emails at all. But whatever. It doesn't matter. So we'll, we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Sean Ingle here. And Strange Disembodied Voice here. And we're here to talk about the new direction going on over at Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. Like our in-depth coverage of the Howard Chaikin pen, Guy Gorker, collateral damage. No, because that book was utter sh**. But we are moving into the Judd Winnick run on Green Lantern, where we'll get stories about psychotic ring wielders, teenage sexual identity issues, and Kyle becoming an nearly godlike being. And yet, still not as weird as Guy Gardner's warrior face. Yeah, you may have a point there. Plus, we'll be covering the ancillary books that came out at the same time, including Circle of Fire, A Thousand and One Emerald Knights, The Black Circle Green Arrow Crossover, and so much more. Which will easily make up for not covering collateral damage. (sighs) Also, if you're subscribing to the show via iTunes, be sure to go to Two True Freaks Presents Just One of the Guys to make sure you get new episodes updated weekly. So, they kicked you off the main feed? No, they just streamlined it, so the two True Freaks proper shows would only be on it. Are you sure it's not because Scott doesn't want a Green Lantern podcast on the network? Uh, no. In fact, he's spoken very glowingly about the show. I mean, he's even offered to come on into a guest bit. He said he really likes it, and despite his fact that he doesn't like Green Lantern all that much, he's come check out Just One of the Guys over at TwoTrueFreaks.com and subscribe in iTunes at Two True Freaks Presents Just One of the Guys. You'll be glad you did, or double your money back. Hi, this is Phil Lamar, John Stewart on Justice League Unlimited, and you're listening to the Lantern Cast. <laughs> 
Hi, my name's Mike. Join me and my brother-in-law, Rich, as we discuss DC's comic book, The Flash, on our podcast entitled Flashback. It's located at flashbackpodcast.podbean.com. That's flashbackpodcast.podbean.com. mentioned that it was kind of weird that we're using the words tweets and emails but i I love those jingles anyways and they're i think they're going to be applicable in the future uh and uh it it doesn't really matter that's just our our you'll how you'll know we're doing a a a, a feedback segment uh props to uh the uh very very missed craig ferguson that was the only really late night show i thoroughly enjoyed uh (laughs) but i love those things uh and i've got a small library of them uh mp3s that we can use in the in the future uh, but what the reason I said uh, it's kind of odd that we're using the word tweets and emails is because we have neither tweets nor emails to read you. Uh, what we're actually going to be doing is um, reading the comments on some of our posts on our, our website that we re- uh, that we uh, approved recently. Now, the reason we're doing this is because, A, we don't have any new emails or voicemails. <coughs> uh, <laughs> guilt trip, much chat. Uh, and uh, uh, the the Twitter and Facebook stuff is being phased out a little bit, not just because not because we don't get it, but because of the irregularity at which we record and include it. It's hard to remember where to pick up and where where, where we need to pick up and where we left off last time. Um, so I'm kind of thinking we should just leave it. Uh, make it just emails and in in uh, voicemails because they'll be more concise and more to read. So when I say comments, you have the ability on our website to leave comments on on our individual posts. However, we have to approve them. But Mark and I typically only log into the website to post something. So it's like once a week or something that we see these things. And there is a a section that you can go on where you can see comments and approve or deny those posts. And the vast majority, and guys, when I say vast, I mean, let's say, I think when I logged in, I saw like a thousand or something like that. Out of like a thousand comments to approve, we had like five that were actually related to our website and material. The rest of it is pure spam, and it's a pain in the butt to go through, so it's not like we remember to log in and check this regularly. Well, in one of our recent logon sessions, <laughs> I went through and approved a bunch of stuff, so now we've got like you know five little messages to read. So I'm going to use that. Uh, if you, I definitely in- encourage you guys to comment on our website directly. That is awesome when we see that kind of stuff. Um, it, you know, we appreciate feedback in any form. But just know that if you do it on our website, it might take a little bit for us to actually see it and approve it because of all the spam we get. And we're going to have to look in. Mark and I were talking before the show. We're going to have to find a way to, to get rid of some of that spam and keep it from coming in. Um, go, go now. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, the first the first uh, one comes from uh, episode 220, which was the collaborative Conway crossover caper. Uh, and uh, this one is from Mark uh, Mark Sweeney. Uh, oh my God, I'm so glad you had that little hostess tangent because this morning I was reading an old Batman and came across a fruit pie ad with Red Tornado and wondered if there was some mandate forbidding the main character of the book to appear in one of those ad- great ads. You saved me a little bit of research. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> nice, You're welcome. Nice job, Chad. Thank you, America. <laughs> You're welcome, America. <laughs> You're welcome, but if you're using that for uh, us as a uh, as a source for any sort of uh, podcast or blog of your own, I wouldn't necessarily quote us as, as a source. I just thought I'd heard that somewhere, <laughs> and I think I said as much as in the episode. So don't quote us as a source. <laughs> but if but if you're just no, wondering for your own <laughs> your own enjoyment uh, <laughs> or curiosity, then uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, the next is from Eric. He says, "Hey guys." I discovered your podcast via links to the participants in the Conway crossover collaboration. The scope of Mr. Conway's work in comics and beyond is so vast, it really opens up the variety of podcasts that can participate in the event. I enjoyed the issues you covered this episode. Brave and the Bold is a favorite title of mine, specifically because it pairs heroes as incongruous as Batman and Green Lantern together in a single adventure. I enjoy Super Team Family for the same reason. In that story, you mentioned Hal expressing the idea that he felt the Thanagarian police forces were better trained than the Green Lantern Corps. I would have to agree with him. The Thanagarian police force is an occupation that one must train and qualify for, whereas the Lantern Corps members are simply chosen based on degrees of fearlessness and morality. They begin with no formal training initially, and they basically learn on the job. So Hal's comment may hold some validity. Just my two cents. I will be visiting the Lantern Cast archives to catch up on what I've been missing. Eric from Puerto Rico. Awesome. Uh, my stepmother's from Puerto Rico. I actually visited there last October for my father's wedding with, to her. Uh, cool place. Uh, old, uh, old, old San Juan is a, is a cool spot to visit, too, by the way. Um, I kind of agree with him, and I kind of don't. I mean, I get what he's saying about Thanagarian. You have to be trained, but... I mean, they they have a train a training process on Oa that they go through. Well, not, I mean, Mogo now, but you know what I mean. Yes. You know, so they 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 do get trained as Green Lanterns, and they they have to earn their symbols. So I'm, one assumes that if they go through training and they're not, if you know, they fail apart or they're not, you know, they 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 don't come out the other side of training being according to their trainer, you know, Kilowog, or it was even Stell at one point, you know, according to the trainer, they don't feel that they can handle the job, then they, you know, they're not out of training, they don't earn their badge yet. Um, I don't know, has there ever been a story where a Green Lantern is chosen, goes through training, but doesn't qualify by going through training, and is 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 uh, relieved of their ring? Hmm. That would be an interesting story for sure. I, for some reason, I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a story. I don't know if there was ever a story that focused in like on that character or not going through that. For some reason, I want to say I, we have seen people dismissed. I could be wrong, uh, but that's a, but it is an interesting question. And you're right; it would make it would make a it certainly would make a good story. Yeah, but I and, and I guess I guess it all comes down to the power set, you know. Uh, Thanagarians have to rely on their, you know, the, they, I mean, they, they're given weapons and they have wings, but their 
their primary force of attack is themselves and their training, whereas a Green Lantern is their rings. And a lot of Lanterns rely more on their rings. I mean, they have the training as a backup. And they're trained in lots of different things, including diplomacy, because of their their, their job. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess I could see it. I guess there's an argument that could be made out of way. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of weird. This, it was almost like Hal was, like, in awe of <laughs> of uh, of the Thanagarian training. Like, it was completely over the top and you know it was it was so far above what a green lantern is capable of or, or gets yeah it's probably just it was more like really it was just like a just a completely different side of a coin you know it was just a different it was a different a whole different regimen a whole different way of doing things compared to what Hal was used to so i think that maybe it was just a shock of the new more than anything maybe maybe it's just the way he expressed himself yeah uh, next one is on episode 221, which is our Convergence episode, and it's actually from Ryan Daly. Uh, Ryan says, hey, Chad and Mark, another great episode. Thanks for accepting the Converge- uh, recapping the Convergence series and tie-ins because I really had no interest in buying the books. <laughs> I agree that opening up all of DC's publishing history as incontinuity should allow for unlimited story potential. That would be nice, but I still think the creative side of the company is going to be handcuffed by the corporate side dictating what type of stories to push and making them all feel similar and homogen- homogenous. I think homogenous. Homogenous. Thank you. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but DC hasn't given me much to feel optimistic about lately. A little yes, but not much. Keep up the great work, guys. Only time's going to tell how much of a change, as you pointed out, when we first saw the solicits for all the titles that were coming out after Convergence. It's not like it's not like there was a title that was, you know, that was just stood out like a sore thumb that was from a previous universe, a previous time frame. It's not like, it's not like Wally West Flash number one, you know. So it's it's he could very, I mean, he could very well be right, but I think, but maybe you'd like to think, you would like to think, you, and sometimes, we, well, sometimes you get you get always throwing a curveball when you give people a credit sometimes and maybe they don't always deserve it but <laughs> that you would like to think that they had some kind of plan to this since certainly they didn't give us even what we expected originally at a convergence that we thought they would streamline stuff instead of making it bigger so you hopefully hopefully they do have a plan for integrating some of the other universes and at least have even if they're not ongoings maybe you know smaller series that are going to touch or revisit some of the worlds and time frames that we saw in Convergence and people have an interest in revisiting anyway. I would hope so. I would buy the crap out of an old school JSA series. Yeah, I'm sure that would do better than the new JSA stuff, personally. But, uh, and yeah, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of time frames now that they open things up. I mean, there's a lot of things that they could do now, so but we'll see. But whether they, but doing it is another story. So that's what we have to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Lantern Cast episode uh, uh, two eighteen, the March books. Uh, just heard uh, something. Somebody named L Walker. Uh, just heard this review of Red Lanterns forty. To clarify, Guy doesn't change the color of his power ring. He's been absorbing rage, and now it's being drained out of him. It's not out of his ring, but out of him. He's been resisting. 
he stops resisting and gives all the rage back, plus all the other emotions he has within, including a vast amount of hope. His own hope, supercharged by all the energy he has absorbed, corrupts the red energy that's overtaking the world. The ring is then rendered inert and falls off his hand due to exposure of blue light. No changing of rules here specifically, and certainly no switching of colors within one ring. And then this is where we get back to Guy uh, Cardic calling the uh, rings magic. As far as Guy calling the rings magic, it's half sarcasm. I mean, come on. The energy of the emotional spe spectrum as generated by conceptual avatar... The energy of the emotional spectrum is generated by conceptual avatars that died to feed the source wall, harnessed by batteries and rings. In the case of the red, a pool of blood... From an in-universe perspective, what are these? To someone like Guy, is this science, or is it just dismissed sarcastically as, quote-unquote, magic? Mm. I, can, I can see some of that. I'm not sure if I buy it. If I'm, I have to go back and reread the issue to see if I, if everything, every part of his explanation, if, if I would agree with it. It's, it's plausible, just by remembering what happened in the issue, but I would have to go back and reread it to say if, to know of if I'm willing to say, yeah, I think that's probably what happened or not. I don't want to. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree. I mean, it's it's to each his own. I guess I guess it's it makes sense when you put it that way that you know, guy, especially someone like guy would would call it magic, but it still doesn't take the way that that little cringe I get whenever he says it. Yeah, and and the magic part wasn't even what I was really thinking about more. Uh, I was thinking more about what happened with the red. And the blue, and the, why the ring fell off, and all that stuff. The magic, yeah, I think there is a certain about a certain amount of sarcasm maybe involved, but it, now it seems like it's as we talked about in in the Lost Army that now it seems to be almost like I don't know if it's a mantra, but it seems like this is going to be something we're going to be hearing from Guy all of a sudden now all the time about yeah. hitting the power rings, which certainly was not Guy's mo up until you know last the end of the run of Red Lantern, so. That is why I think we pick up on it and why it stands out. It's not. Is it? Is it? Is it as glaring at? Is it really as glaring as Sinestro's ring being on the right hand? No. But but now that you but when you start looking for stuff and you see it, then then it be, once it once a pattern starts developing, then it's easy to keep your eyes peeled for it. So that's why you know our, our little like I hate to say it, but like a, partially anyway, our little BS detector goes off when we when we hear guys say magic ring now because. That seems to be the trend, you know. That seems to be almost like potentially a potentially a retcon, if or just the mere fact that he keeps using that term when it kind of seems unguy-like on some level. But but who knows? And, and and to be fair, you guys are listening to us recap and review these. We have a whole podcast dedicated to these comics, so obviously we're giving these a whole lot more scrutiny than the average reader. Uh, I'm not saying that we're noticing things that you guys aren't. I'm just saying that when something sounds a, a warning bell in our head, no matter how small, we're going to bring it up for the sake of discussion. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've also got uh, a, a little brief comment from someone who identifies themselves as Bat Lantern uh, on our um, celebrating the 75th anniversary of Green Lantern post. Uh, love the graphics. We'll be using that hashtag, too, on our posts this month. Um, yeah, so Green Lantern's 75th anniversary celebration is still going on. Obviously, this particular post isn't technically part of it uh, because of uh, 
because of just it's it's just a um uh it's just a regular issue review kind of a thing uh and not not anything completely special but hey we're talking about green lantern and and giving some acknowledgement to everything so hey (laughs) whatever (laughs) um and uh i think that's that's about it uh do you have anything else you want to say in regards to these comments or the issues we've covered this episode mark no i think we covered i think we i I mean there's always stuff we're probably going to forget about but i think i think the the actual issues i think we i think they were relatively straightforward i think as far as the stories that were you know on the page and i think the stuff that they were hinting at foreshadowing or leading us towards i think we kind of discussed so yeah, I think we – I'd like to think anyway we did a fairly thorough job going through those three issues. One can hope. One can hope indeed. All right. Well, since I typically uh, – <laughs> since we started this uh, 75th anniversary thing, I always follow up what you, you're ending with my own. So let me let me get it out here first, and then we'll let you be the, the last words here. Uh, as I mentioned, Green Lantern's 75th anniversary is happening in, specifically in the months of June and July. So please, across the social media, as you're talking about various shows uh, and uh, and websites and everything, use the hashtag GL75TH. So GL75th across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, uh, specifically. Uh, and Google Plus, if you use it, we're not on there. Uh, or we are, but we don't use it. Um, so to, to find the various uh, posts about that, a lot of our participants in the Green Lantern 75th anniversary are doing a whole lot more than us uh, at the moment. So lots of specific uh, historical type posts. Uh, so I would definitely recommend that you search the hashtag Green Lantern uh, GL 75th uh, and find a lot of those. Um, I know typically when we talk about the, the hashtags, uh, not a lot of people go out and check them out, but especially related to the 75th anniversary, I really, really, really recommend that you uh, uh, look up those posts and the links that accompany them because there's a lot of good information out there for Green Lantern fans. Uh, we will have a lot of stuff on our own, uh, uh, you know, coming out in, in, in the coming weeks. And just because of scheduling and, you know, my back going out and everything, I'm sure that we'll have very cool uh, celebratory posts coming out beyond the Green Lantern uh, 75th official event of June and July. Um, but uh, just just really want people to, to, to make sure that they're checking out those posts across the Internet. There's there's really I mean, seriously, there's been a lot of really good uh, uh, flashback posts. Someone actually went out and bought the archive editions of Alan Scott. Uh, material uh, and has been doing a, a sort of look back on on those stories. I mean, there's there's a lot of cool stuff out there, so I highly recommend people go out and check that stuff out. Uh, but if Mark, Mark, if people want to contact us, how can they do so, sir? They can contact us. They can email us lanterncast at gmail dot com. Lanterncast at gmail dot com. Uh, please visit our website lanterncast dot com. Uh, we've been Movie reviews, ring encyclopedia episodes. Uh, we've been talking about. Actually, this is something we I'll I'll mention next episode. I won't even go into this now since we're so close to the end. Talking when we talk about stuff in, related to Green Lantern in in the media there, and social media, even beyond our web, you know, stuff that comes out in between episodes. We post about uh, a lot of stuff there. Please check and of course our all our episodes, our recent episodes, and everything are posted there as well. We are on I. Let's see. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you like to leave us, if you like to 
leave us a positive review on both, that would be appreciated. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. You can use hashtag GLCast to pretty much locate us on all of those. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. Yeah, uh, and I, I know I was being a little snarky and, and, and snipey earlier talking about we need emails. But seriously, we would love some emails. I would like – I would really uh, honestly like to bring back the, the listener feedback uh, segment and do it more frequently. Um, and I know we interact with you guys really regularly on Facebook and Twitter specifically, but I would I would love, love, love to be able to do, do at least like one, ep- one email every episode um, as long as it's not like a special episode, you know, like a, you know, like a, a commentary track or something. Uh, but, but an episode in which we can and uh, cover feedback, I would love to have feedback every episode, uh, every one of those episodes to be able to do. Um, and really we have, have we had a voicemail since no. you and I started? Well, yeah, since we've started. Okay. Okay. But it's been a, it's been a long time, uh, for voicemails for sure. Yeah. And, and way too long for, for email. So I, 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 am joking when I put pressure on you guys, but I am since I am serious or sin serious for those who follow Stephen Amell, uh, I am sin seriously requesting that you guys, uh, uh, send us as, as many voicemails or emails as relevant to anything we, we cover, whether it's your own thoughts on the, the issues that, that, that we cover or your commentary on uh, some of our theories, or, uh, or or leaps in logic, or maybe uh, you came up with something that they could be referencing in the comic that we didn't think of. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be something completely, you know, new and in depth. That you know, oh, that's worthy of writing an email. Your own thoughts on the issue is worthy of writing an email. So we would love to hear from you guys, um, uh, voicemail or email specifically. We would love to have content to cover. Uh, in every uh, 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 episode that's available for feedback. So definitely want to hear back from you guys. Yes, we do. Get on it, people. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody.